Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. TJ Ward, it's uh, great to see you, man. First off, how's life? Where you at? We were just talking about uh, your one and a half year old. So I'd imagine, even though you retired, you know, you're you're probably uh, insanely busy still. Yeah, man. Now that I'm retired, I'm almost more busy. There's so much running around to do. You got so much time to do it, and you just become busier. But yeah, man, my son's 16 months right now. It's getting big, fast, man, fast. So trying to keep up with him and uh, the agency I just started, Player Above Sports Group, and some other little things I got going on, golfing and such things with company sticks. So I got a full plate, man. I'm happy to have one. That's fantastic. Well, I uh, can't wait to get into everything. Um, te- a decade, full decade in the NFL, right? Super Bowl champion, yeah, two-time much. Pro Bowler. Uh, no fly zone extraordinaire in Denver. I mean, I can't wait to talk about that defense too. I mean, in an age where everybody's scoring 30, 40 points a game, like that Super Bowl team is like this outlier that will be an outlier probably for the rest of time. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Not only to be one of the best, but like one of the last <laughs> or the last, you know, kind of. Because I've told people before, like, our era of defense is gone. It will, it will never return just because of the way the game is set up with the rules, the protection for the quarterback. Man, everything is slighted towards the offense. So, I mean, to, to have a great defense, even like the top defenses this year, if the numbers you get, they're giving up compared to, you know, the, the 2010 era and before, it's like it's not even in competition. How did you pull it off? I, I remember covering that Super Bowl. I was at the Buffalo News at the time and – I mean, like everybody else, I really didn't give you guys a snowball chance in hell at beating Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. I mean, this is 
the MVP. This is an offense that's just running through everybody, throwing over everybody. And uh, you go in there with rickety old Peyton Manning, whatever was left to him at that point, winning the way you're winning. How did you pull that off? You know what? I think all of the hoopla before the game, it, it played right into our hands. Like every everything said about the Carolina offense and what they had done that season, you know, it was incredible. You know, and hands down, it was incredible, but it was like overshadowing what we had done on defense. And that it kind of is unbalanced because if you're a great defense and a great offense, then you should come into the game like, you know, about even. But the, the odds were so stacked against us. It was like, wait, hold up. They got the number one offense. We got the number one defense. Why are we such an underdog? <laughs> you know, we're playing on the West Coast. They got to come to Carolina. So they think this team is that much better than us. Okay. So that's how we took it and ran with it. And uh, as you can see, the performance we put on the field, we kind of, we felt disrespected. All season, really. Yeah. How do you use that, though, really? I mean, you hear that a lot. I was just talking to um, Mike Shanahan recently for something. And, you know, into their Super Bowl against Green Bay. I mean, they were underdogs, double-digit underdogs. And they found a way to use it. Like, just as a competitor, I mean, you hear bulletin board material, but... Mm -hmm. How does like all of this doubt actually manifest itself onto the field when the whistle's blown? You know what? I think um, it, it doesn't just start on the field. You know, it starts from that first day of preparation. Like, you know, as soon as we get done with this last game, where the playoff game, it goes straight into preparation for whoever we're going to play. So it just kind of builds up and it snowballs. It snowballs. As you get closer to the game, you hear more and more things and, but it starts with that first little quote or sentence in, in the beginning of your preparation. You even prepare harder. You may be, you know, if it's, if if you're the type of player that uh, you can always give a little bit more. So you can go through a season. You'd be a great guy who prepares for the game coming up. But it's something that's going to give you that little bit of extra on top of it being the biggest game you've ever played in the Super Bowl. So. It's a lot of it's a lot of extra motivating factors going into that game. And you know, it's like, how can you get extra motivated for the Super Bowl? But you find something, man. You're gonna find it. And you had the game of your life, one of the best games of your life, right? A pick, a fumble recovery. You led the team in tackles, or you were first and second. I honestly it was seven tackles. You're all over the place. Um, what kind of night was it for you? What memories do you still kind of cherish? <laughs> uh that the game was amazing itself. So coming into the game uh, I was well, it was in San Francisco that's my hometown so that's right I'm San Francisco California born and raised and to come back and be able to play the Super Bowl in front of my friends and family so I'm geeked like I'm geeked beginning of the season like oh the Super Bowl in Frisco we got to get there <laughs> so uh covered into that when we left Denver and we preparing for that week in San Francisco uh, we had a lot of fun, but we were we had our hair down, man. We didn't come into the game up tight. We didn't come into the week of practice up tight. We had our hair down. We had fun the first couple of days. We got to the city, you know, went out, had some dinner. Kept it like a normal week, like we would do if we were getting ready for a normal Sunday game. And, you know, I think that helped, that helped us too because we weren't all up tight. We weren't nervous. We weren't worried. We weren't we had prepared so well that week in Denver, it was like, by the time we got to San Francisco, it was like, oh, shoot, we're going to put the finding touches, the finishing touches on it, and we're going to blow these boys out the water. That was our whole mindset. So let's just go do what we do. That was an intent. Do not change what we've done all season. 
And you have to have leaders in the locker room to be able to do that. Guys like DeMarcus Ware, guys like Vaughn, guys like me, guys like Peyton, Key, Chris. Like, we had so many leaders, Emmanuel, DT, across the board. It's like, once we had our mind made up on how we were going to perform and uh, what we were going to do, we all jumped on board. It wasn't one person saying that we're going to do this, we're going to do this. It was like, okay, what should we do? How should we go about it? And we all with it. And that's how it went down. And you made Cam Newton not look like Cam Newton. I mean, it was. I mean, it helps when you got Vaughn and DeMarcus on the edge. And yeah. man, our D line was nasty, man. They were nasty. Malik on the inside, Wolf, they both got big checks and played well after they left. So our D line was, was nasty. Slide down low as well. Can't forget him. We just a mean team. We were just mean on defense. And that's how we carried ourselves. No disrespect. We're not taking nothing from nobody. We came out on the field. We're going to slap you in your mouth. And if you try to fight back, it's like, what you doing fighting back? <laughs> that type of mentality. <laughs> oh, you want to fight back? Okay. We're going to make it real hard on you. I mean, that's just a bunch of guys. You can't teach that. You got to have, you got to gather guys like that. Mr. Elway, uh, you know, Cool, Foxy, he was there, uh, Del Rio, all those guys that formed that team between two coaching staffs. Um, it was a mentality that we all had and you can't just, you can't make that happen once you get a group of guys. You have to put that group of guys together because they already have it. Not something that's going to be built. Now you can have a couple of guys that jump along and see how, you know, the machine is going and, and they'll convert a little bit, you know, but they didn't come into it with that, you know? They say, but, they, they call it dog in the yeah. NFL. You got to have dogs. And we had a team full of them. I mean, the first, I want to say the first Q&A that we did at, at Go Along was with Dante Whitner, and you know, he's talking about that 49ers defense, you know, just a few yeah, years before one. that. And I mean, gnarly, like just belligerent. They had dudes, he said, you didn't know who was going to get arrested week to week. It was guys with an edge. Yeah, <laughs> and for real. I mean, it's a violent game, right? I mean, you don't want choir boys out there. You, you need that kind of temperament. What, what kind of temperaments did you guys really have in that locker room? If your defense doesn't get a couple personal fouls a game, you're not gonna, I mean, that's just the nature of playing hard defense. It's not that you're dirty. It's not that you're trying to hurt anybody or playing beyond the whistle, but it's an attitude thing. It's a mentality. It's a, it's a level of play. Like Malik, we knew he was gonna get a flag every week because this not, and we kind of just chalked it up because he ran after the ball so hard. And when you're that big, you can't just stop. So he would always be chasing the ball and he'd get a late hit for like hitting a running back or something or just something, just effort level, you know? And we didn't tell him to stop, forget that. We'll take that flag. But don't you stop playing like this, you know? So it's just a little thing, like another coach or somebody else or another teammate have been like, Malik, if you get another personal foul, you know what I'm saying? Some stuff like that. And then he don't play as hard because he worried about a personal foul. Now nah, we'll right. take that 15. Just try not to do it in crunch time. <laughs> try not to do it in, you know, uh, important situations. But we don't let that one go. You know, you got you to gotta take something to do with the bag. And, you know, that's what Not just have. 15 yards, though. You're getting fined, too. <laughs> There's a little money. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. but, I, but guess what? You know we was coming. And yeah. you know we coming. So if you were lingering, you better get down. Because Malik going to come clean your ass up. <laughs> He's kind of one of those forgotten guys like, on that team, we, right? It's called a yeah. cleanup crew. So you got players within the defense. Like for us, we had a cleanup crew. So within our defense, 
You know, you got the Vons and, and, and the Keebs and Chris's. They're just great players, you know. Beware. But then we had a set of mean guys. We called them cleanup crew. Anything standing, getting cleaned up. That's like me, Danny Trey, uh, Stu, uh, Malik. Like, guys like that, that you just clean up, crew. We just we just play with a little bit more edge. Like, we're going to hit you helmet to helmet, like, just because we don't want to feel it. You know what I'm saying? It's that type of mentality. So, it was a fun group, man. Fun group. Wade really encouraged it, because you need the coach that is, like, kind of giving you that green light to go out mm-hmm. there and, and be a dog and kind of uh, cross that line from time to time. Yeah, Wade, man, Wade. The best thing about Wade, and you could ask anybody on that team, is he wasn't just worried about how his scheme worked. You know, like, okay, play this scheme. This is how it's worked. You got to do it like this or play this corner. He's like, no, I'm going to use you to the best of your ability. What do you do best? All right, let's play this defense. That's going to be our number one defense because my guys play this defense the best. Not I run this defense the best, so I like it the best. No, my defense runs this best. What does TJ Ward do best? What does Key do best? What does Stu do best? What does Chris do best? You know, what do my players do best? And then I'm going to try to make the best out of what they do. So to have a coach like that, that's a player's dream, man. You, you, the exact opposite is the next year when I went to Tampa and we had Mike Smith. And it wasn't about the players. It was about his scheme and what he wanted to do on offense. And it was like, bro, I can't win like this. But then when you say stuff like that in the NFL, you get marked as a cancer or you get marked as someone that is not with the program. But all I want to do is win. I want to win. And I don't care if you're a coach, GM, president. If I'm in the building and I see this is not an organization that's trying to win, I'm going to say something because I'm a winner. I don't sit around and do stuff to be losing or be ordinary or See, done, see, see things done wrong a thousand times and just be like, okay, let's do a thousand and one times. No, I'm going to say so. And that's probably why, you know, that towards the end of my career, I kind of got not many other opportunities after Tampa when I was still in my prime, you know? so Really? Just, just speaking up? Just kind of being honest? Yeah. I mean, it's a corporation at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. It, it's too bad. I mean, that same year... God, I mean, that same year you guys won the Super Bowl, I, when I was covering the Bills at the time, I mean, Rex Ryan was the, was the head coach. And the guys were so frustrated with what you're just kind of detailing here. Like, Rex brings in this scheme that is, I mean, obviously it's had success, but, I mean, there's like dozens upon dozens well, of I checks. There's guys running in, rookie. running out. I played in that scheme my rookie year. I had Rob Ryan as my DC. Yeah, Dude, that was the hardest defense I've ever played in. Like when I got to the next defense, I was like, thank God, because I didn't, I thought all NFL defenses were going to be that hard. I'm like, bro, this is ridiculous. Way too much thinking. You can't just play. This is ridiculous. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm good and I know I'm going to get the ball. So have my rookie year, bro. I'm not going to lie, man. I was in the clouds with some of our defenses, bro. My OGs would be mad at me. T, what are you doing? I'm like, bro. But hey, man, you live and you learn. But that defense is very hard. It's very, very hard for a veteran. It's hard. I know it. I mean, and I, I, I side with the player because at the end of the day, you're the one out there, and you're you have the supreme physical ability, athletic ability, and I mean, you could. And see I'm a smart player. <laughs> yeah. 
but to ask somebody to do to you're subbing in you're subbing out you've got checks upon checks and different names next, nobody everything. knows what they're doing right it's yeah it's just crazy bro it's like he'd have a name for a defense and a lot of coaches they try to like make it something to help you remember like so if it's um um say we're running a fire zone coverage that's just a zone blitz so it might be liz for left zone and then it'll be the name of the blitz right so you're like okay liz okay i know i got a left zone blitz and it's the dime so it might be liz uh dino and that's a defense cover three liz dino cover three well instead of left dime cover three he'll have maxine who is maxine Oh, this girl I used to go to high school with, you know, she'd always have something on the left side of her face. She's like, what? Are you <laughs> what serious? You no, I'm dead at. Or he'll be like, oh, you know, I was sitting back thinking about coach, what's the name's daughter? And uh, it's the name of the defense we're running this week. Okay, that's not helping me remember anything. And then we used to have like these formations, right? So you have these calls. He'd call it, well, it's the formation and zone the formation. So for every formation, there might be a different blitz or a different zone coverage. So they come out near eye, I have this blitz. They come out in trips, I'm gonna have this blitz. This is all in one, all in one game, week to week. So I might have, he called BTF, blitz of formation. All right, now I'm waiting for a formation to come out. Oh, this formation come out. All right, what do we have for this formation? These trips, all right, now I gotta see the formation. And remember what defense we have. All right, remember what I got to do. Remember all my communications. I can't get that done before the ball snap. Yeah. And that's why a lot of times you see this disorientation or you say, what a miscommunication or what happened to this guy? Well, it's probably a long defense or something that they had to take some time to figure out. And Rob Ryan's still coaching in the NFL. Isn't that something? Dude, you know what? Rob is a great coach. Like, away from that stuff, like, away from all this, like, He's a great coach. He's he teaches great fundamentals. He's a great motivator. He's a yeah. player's coach. Like, you're going to say, like, Wade, use you to the best of your ability. He's a great coach. But that was the only thing that was like, damn, if I could just get in one position and go off, you know what I'm saying? But I, I love the way Rob used me my rookie year. Shoot, I had a great Rex, you know, we had Eric Wood on. I mean, Rex Ryan had guys ready to run through a wall. You know, all that kind man, of stuff I'm that goes into you, coaching. Rob is like, a great coach. Guys bro. love that kind of stuff. Man, guys love that shit. Um, back to what you were talking about earlier, though, like with just that that violence, that that physicality that you guys played with. I I gotta hear what you have to say about uh, I mean, all these roughing the passer penalties this year, all the taunting. Like, I feel like the league and the owners they're trying to like they're trying to find this middle ground that doesn't exist. I mean, I, I don't if I'm a defensive player and I'm going toward the quarterback, I don't know what I'm even allowed to do at this point, and let alone this being a game rooted in adrenaline and violence like I don't know how you don't react after a big play in terms of the taunting stuff like when you're watching football in 2021 what's ridiculous. going through it's ridiculous like they say all the time you got a bunch of guys that never played the game making the rules like you've never played the game or you played it at a very low level and you're making the rules you have no empathy you have no you know 
relative, relativity to what's going on on that field. Like you can't relate. So why are you making the rules? Like some of the rules, okay, we get. Make us safer, yada, yada, yada. But like, it's a difference between making the game safe and making it unfair. Like he plays quarterback, he's going to get hit. Like, and me, I'm glad I'm not playing because this was my biggest, as a safety, like you got the quarterback putting the ball in the positions where you have no choice but to knock that receiver out. But I started chopping receivers. I'm taking ACLs out. I don't care. Like I can't that, hit you really, high. What's I'm that mentality like? Leg. I'm not hitting you in your chest. I'm not hitting you in your stomach. You could have hit me. No, I'm hitting you in your legs. I'm flipping your shit. So if <laughs> you don't want that to happen, tell your quarterback, don't throw that seam ball no more. Don't throw that slant. Because I'm not trying to, I'm not doing anything to help you out. If I can't just hit on reaction, then I'm going super low every time. So just know that. These receivers would rather you hit high too. They don't want you going at their legs. Exactly. They would, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to that mighty dollar. And uh they're not getting sued for ACL tears, they're getting sued for yeah. brain, you know, um, you know, brain trouble. So um, and it's a it's a it's a big issue. It's a huge issue. Man, I talk to guys I play with all the time, and we're going through it. We are going through it. The younger players, I'm not talking about the guys that played in the 80s, the Singletaries and all those guys. I'm talking about guys just got off the field. Like we have issues and people like to make fun of it. It's not funny. So part of you gets it then? I mean. Oh yeah, I absolutely get it. I absolutely get it. Um, the head part, you know, definitely I get that. Um, but let's make it fair. If if a receiver cracks back on a on a DB, you know you got to call that a penalty. If uh, a lineman is doing certain things, if a running back is putting his head down to you know engage in contact, which they don't call as much, but that's the number one thing a running back does every single time he's about to come into contact is lower the crown of his helmet. But it's the rarest call. Right. I remember the fear. There was that season three four years ago when they. They said they were going to start calling that, and they never really did. They don't call a thing. They only call it against defensive players. So what are you dealing with? You said that you and, and people you know just out of the game are dealing with. Yeah, man, it's stuff. like a lot of, like, um, lapses in memories, short-term memory, like lapses. Uh, sure. Mood swings, for sure, mood swings. Short temper, short patience. Um anxiety anxiety like a mug uh man i can name a few other things but yeah so you've already kind of experienced this all like in your day-to-day -day life like you're already i mean forgetting things getting a short fuse and you don't really know why mm -hmm. so um yeah man i'm thinking i recommend especially with the mental health thing being a huge um, focal point right now in society, it seems like. I recommend going to see somebody if you do have any issues as an ex-player. I know I am. I'm talking to somebody right now. And at first, I thought I didn't need it, but it's actually helped me a lot. So I'd recommend it. Let's let's get into that if you want that. I mean, because you are you're 34 years old. I mean, you should have decades upon decades left to live here. 
already be dealing with this kind of stuff. I mean, I, it's probably good to be proactive. Like what, what are you doing and how is it helping? Um, like I said, I, I see a, a therapist, you know, I got my CBDs and things like that products that help a lot. You know, my son, he keeps me patient. So, <laughs> you know, just being around him, man, it's like, shoot, how can I get mad? Um, what else? Just staying busy, bro. Main, mainly staying busy. Um, that helps the most. One it's and a half years old, your son, right? Yeah, he's uh, August 12th, so he's 16 months now. Boy, what are you guys doing then? How does he uh, kind of keep you patient and grounded? Well, first off, he keeps me the busy out, busiest out of everything. Between waking up earliest and uh, having to get his food ready and get him dressed and get me dressed or have my meetings in between my Zoom calls or different phone calls, put him down for a nap so I can do the calls, <laughs> wake him up, feed him again, you know, do stuff around the house, have some appointments at the house where I got some maintenance going on. Or there's something, there's always something wrong with the house, man. Always. Oh yeah. And then just a little errands I have to do. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. We didn't even really start uh, at the top here though, but for people who don't know, um, so in high school, you were on De La Salle, right? The crazy winning streak. Mm -hmm. that, was it 151 games in a row? 151. And First loss was after my senior year. Oh, man. That's insane. 151 games. Yeah. Uh, but you had a – I can't remember what it was, but you had a pretty significant injury that kind of a, affected your future. Right? You had to walk on at college. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I uh, fractured my patella bone. So um, – like my teenage years, I had uh, it's a typical of a lot of teenagers that grow. It's Oscar Slaughter. You get them in your knees. It's like tenderness and swelling of your tendon and bones or whatever. But it hurts really bad. <laughs> it hurts really bad. So I couldn't even play sports for like one summer, I think, because it, I had them in both knees and I couldn't even run. It hurt that bad. But um, my senior year, I had a lingering of it. And my knee was really sore with a week before coming into the game. And during the game, I was, uh, I played free safety at the time. So I was backpedaling and I went to go chase a ball that was thrown to the sideline and the receiver didn't see it. And he kept running straight and he ran right into my knee. And I believe it was knee to knee. I still actually haven't seen the video of the injury. I don't believe, like, I don't think I could watch it, but really? end up fracturing my knee and um, I missed the whole season. It was like the third, second, third game of the season that year. My senior year, I had no scholarships, no nothing. I would, you know, I didn't play much my junior year, and I hit a spurt going into my senior year. Or, you know, I was like one seventy. I got to like one seventy pounds. Before that, I was like one fifty. Gained like twenty pounds in three inches my senior year. So I'm like, oh yeah, it's my time. I'm back to you know who I had been as a player my entire life. And then I get hurt. So um, I had five of my best friends that were highly touted, highly recruited players on that same team. We were all seniors and they all got offers to Oregon and many other schools, but they all decided to commit to Oregon. And uh, I decided to go and walk on up there with them. And then uh, it turned out I went up there uh, actually, I went to a JC first up there because I had I needed a couple more credits. Went to a JC for a semester. Then I walked on, 
And a year later, I had a scholarship. Yep. Man, it's all hanging in the balance at that point, though. I mean, you could have just been a, a guy, right? I mean, what's going through, through your head as a walk-on? Um, not know. I mean, there's probably no way you thought you'd be in a, in a Super Bowl one day, you know, picking off passes. You know what? But I didn't think it. I wasn't. Yeah. You know, so um, coming in, it was... I knew I had the ability. I'm not gonna put it as like I was, you know, I knew like the guys that got a scholarship that are my best friends, I'm as good as those guys. So coming in, it was just a matter of getting healthy for me. And then I'm taking somebody's spot. <laughs> Point blank period. That's what my mentality was. So the first time I stepped on the field, I was playing corner actually. And you know, you have pre-practice meetings and you in there with all the new scholarship guys and all the older scholarship guys, you to walk on like guys like, who is this guy? He wasn't on the, you know, the recruiting list or he wasn't a commit or, you know, and uh, I show up to practice and I'm working, I'm making plays. You know, my feet are good. I got good size. I got good speed. They're like, oh shit. Oh, he could play for real. So, I'm like, I'm taking one of these guys, I'm taking one of these scholarship guys starting spotter. I'm taking somebody's scholarship. I need to be better than all these guys on scholarship. So every day I'm like, I need to be better than every single one on scholarship. And that was just my goal every day is be better than everybody on scholarship. And then after that, it was like, be better than everybody at my position, junior, senior, whatever. And then it was like, be the best on the defense. So, yeah. you know, you take baby steps and, see how successful you can be at each one. And next thing I knew, I was getting drafted. <laughs> Your, I mean, the mentality that we've been kind of hitting on this whole conversation, where does that come from? I mean, anything that you, did you go through something as a kid? Was it an upbringing? Was it a mentor that just that, that edge that you played with? Um, what, what do you kind of trace it back to, you think, DJ? I think it comes from my dad. I think it's just in my blood, honestly. Um, I don't remember being like taught. I guess it's just something you pick up from like your parents and seeing how they interact with people in certain situations they've, they've been in and certain lessons they try to teach, but it was never like, oh, we, we have this mentality or like, you know, the wars, this is a war mentality. Like <laughs> it wasn't nothing like that. It was just a, a kind of a pickup and my dad kind of was in a situation in his sporting years where he was kind of an underdog type. And um, he's been the youngest of 12 kids. So he's always been looking up to people uh, or not people, but his siblings. And he's always got, you know, all of the guidance and all of the game because he's been the youngest. So, you know, it's been fortunate that he's been able to pass that and not only his stories, but all of his siblings and friends stories. And I, we just picked him up and it's just something that, like you said, you can't teach it, man. It's either in you or not. Right. I mean, because as a safety, it's like you you almost just have to horizontally throw your body into situations. And, you're, I mean, you're not arm tackling. You're not waiting for a guy to come and bringing him down. And I think everybody who's played football at any level, it's like you either are okay just throwing yourself in there or there's that blip of hesitation like I mean I played football I, I always had that blip of hesitation and it might it might be an arm tackle on defense you weren't you weren't that way <laughs> you, no not at all even um, on to Cleveland I mean you're throwing yourself anywhere 
Yeah, I learned um, along. <laughs> I learned that getting hit in like your arms and like that hurts. <laughs> like bringing bringing the pain is a lot easier than taking it. So I learned that a long time ago. Like always be the aggressor because if you're not, then somebody's inflicting the pain on you. And I don't care how big you are, I'm gonna come my hardest because if I don't, you're gonna hurt me more than I'm gonna hurt myself. Although, as we kind of alluded to earlier, I mean, there's gonna be concussions along the way. I mean, you might be mm -hmm. feeling some of those effects for yeah, years for sure. now. For sure. I mean, like you say, it's the nature of the game, nature of the position. Um, that protocol or safety wasn't taught for me growing up. So it was just something that we did and, you know, we lived with, you know, we were ignorant to, you know, a lot of the trauma, the brain trauma that's going on a lot of these players now, but the whole football, the sport, the entire system in America, you know, if you grew up in the nineties, you played Pop Warner in the nineties, it was all about going head to head. That's what we called it, going head to head. <laughs> if it was a big hit oh they went head to head what's the name one like it was like real rams out there so you in practice you're doing hitting drills you may do two or three hitting drills before you even get to the scheme we just hitting the uh, condition you know now it's, it's taught um much better from pop warner on up so when they get to the age where the velocity and the speed and the strength is faster, they're already, their second nature is to play with their head out the game. Whereas you're trying to teach me year five in the NFL. It's over for me. There's no, there's no turning back. I've been playing football one way for 25 years. You telling me now I can't play like this? Good luck. Let me get up out of here. <laughs> yep. let me finish these last five years and get up out of here uh, it's remarkable you lasted as long as you did right, right? i'm going to get a lot of money taken from me yeah it's you can't change the way you play and it's i don't know I mean, how many concussions do you think you you suffered in your playing career um uh, man more on i can more than i have hands holy shit really yeah, for sure. Easy. And if a player tells you that at play safety, he's probably not telling the truth. Because even when you don't think you're concussed, you're concussed. So you might have a hair, bow, make a hit, and be like, woo, and like, uh, and go right back. That's a mild concussion. You don't even know. It's not just the concussions like, oh, I don't smell nothing. I can't see or I don't remember. Nah, it's just a little quick, uh, oh, shit, now I'm back. I've had them plenty of times. Those are the ones that add up, right? I think we, mm -hmm. we think of uh, the, the old jacked up clips on ESPN and, you know, the lights out. But it's really it's really those, the, the minor to inter, like those ones that add up that maybe have an effect on somebody more than anything. Yeah, um, that's definitely, that's what they say. What was the worst one from what you remember? I think the worst concussion I... It was one, either my high school one, and no, definitely my high school one. The first one I got. The first one I got in high school, my junior year, I hit a guy on the sideline and I woke up standing on the sideline after the game 
with the trainers and my parents in front of me asking me where I was. That was my first scary. one, my worst one. Yeah, this shit is scary. It's like I got knocked out or something. I don't know what happened. But what was the play from what you were told, anyways? Um, it was just no, I remember it. I remember everything until like right in, at the contact. Then I don't like I just remember waking up. So it was a guy like running a sweep to the sideline. I was playing cornerback, just a regular hit on the sideline, running back coming up the sideline, you getting off a block, you know, shoulder, bow. And I and I lifted him. It was a good hit on my part, but I knocked myself out. I don't know if he got me right on the side or whatever happened. Yeah. And you were out for how long do you think were you blacked out? I mean, like I said, I didn't play much in my junior year, so I got in the game in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so it wasn't like the whole game. It's probably like yeah. 10 minutes. I don't know, but shit. Yeah. It wasn't like they I woke up on the ground and like so I'm thinking that I kept going and not knowing that I was still up and doing things. I don't think I was knocked out on the ground. I think I may even finish the game, but I didn't even realize it until that point. Yeah. Man. Cause scary. if you get knocked out, you think like, they gonna keep you on the ground. Like, hello, you up? No, nah, I was standing up. There's not exactly an independent neurosurgeon on the sideline that's gonna like take you in and help you from you either uh i mean you were involved with god some i mean i i can remember being on the packers beat i mean weren't you in that collision with jermichael finley i mean that ended his career right yeah i was and i was actually on the tackling side i didn't hit him i had i kind of was dragging him down and uh that's right john gibson hit him and shit that was unfortunate because it was towards the end of the game they was, man, that game, they was running all over us. I, what's it like as a player, though, when I always wonder this, when a guy's just out cold, right? I mean, he's he's horizontal, he's not moving, an ambulance comes out, he gets put on a stretcher. What in the hell is going through your mind in that moment? Like, how do you, how do you just go out there and play the next snap when you see somebody taken off on a stretcher playing this game? Um, you don't, I've never worried about it at the moment. Like, I like the next play. I just go back into the next play. Like, I don't, we don't think about that. I don't think we, I mean, if you a player and you play, you're not, you can't think about that and play and play with your hair on fire. That like, that get put in the closet or a cubby somewhere. Then you praying for him. You hope he's okay. And then a lot of players probably say it can't happen to me or won't happen to me. Or, that's not the case. You just got to pray, man. <laughs> pray and be blessed. You guys are, are wired different than normal human beings. <laughs> you know, I, I don't yeah. know how you just play after something like that. Um, but, I, you know, at, at our site, like we're always we, – I love the old school element of the game, right? And I, I get pissed off as much as anybody when all these flags are thrown and – they're trying to soften the game and find this, like I said, a middle ground that I don't think exists. So how, I imagine you're kind of the same way. How do you wrestle with this then as somebody who, I mean, you had all these concussions and you've dish, you de delivered a lot of concussions yet. Now the league's kind of overcorrecting and going to this other extreme. 
I, I guess me personally, I just wish the NFL would own what it is, right? Just own the violence. Hell, make guys sign a form if they have to, but like just otherwise, otherwise it's just gonna be flag football. Like at this rate, it's it's put put quarterbacks in a red jersey, make it flag football. Well, you violence. know what? Is there I a don't mind it. Make it flag football. Make it flag football. If that's what you're gonna do, do it and pay the players handsomely. We don't need to be out there knocking helmets. Play, let us play flag football, please, and get paid like hoopers. I bet you we'd ask players right now, hey, would you rather play flag and get paid how you play or you want to put these pads on? Give me flags. Give me flags. I'll play 30 years. But the NFL knows as much as they want to legislate the violence out, it's the violence that fans it's still the want. that sells the tickets. It's the speed and the violence. It's these 300, 200 to 300 pound players moving faster than anybody you know and stronger than anybody you know. And they're colliding and they're skiing to it. It's a beautiful game, man, it is. It's a beautiful game. But <clears throat> um, it's like you said, it is what it is. So if it's not, then let's just have it not. Could we get to that point in our lifetime, you think? I think maybe a form of rugby football, like, you know, with the football rules, yeah. um, just because it that is really the only way you're going to, because the helmet, with the helmet, you feel secure. Like, I could run into somebody with my head and be okay. You don't see rugby players doing that. And like, I ain't got no helmet. I'm about to use this shoulder. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to bust my face all up. This big, uh, <laughs> what? What's the rugby team from? Uh, the All Blacks? Huh? The New Zealand team? Yeah, the New Zealand team. Yeah. This big New Zealand running to me with them forearms and bust my whole mouth open. Nah, I'm gonna use his shoulder and I'm gonna use technique tackling. But I think it's the rugby rules that Americans or we just can't get with in America. But if you had like football with rugby rules and maybe some type of smaller padding, like, you know, I could probably say, see it working in like 30 years, 40 years, but. Yeah. You're right. They know though, the owners know what people want are those big hits still. It's still mm -hmm. blocking. It's still tackling. You know, you can run all it's of the, the heads Ooh, up. like you, you don't get that anymore. You only get those on like touchdowns or catches. Like that's boring. What are the consequences for the receivers? They know there's no consequences. Back in the day, you knew it was a consequence of running that slant. You knew there was a consequence of running that post. And you're now, saying back like, in the okay, day, how five years is, ago, right? Yeah, like, how bad can he really hurt me? I can't really do much. He's not going to hit me in the head. <laughs> That's what they think, you know. But he might chop me. Hmm. And we're talking five years ago. I mean, we're not talking 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. But you know what? It can't, I mean, going low, it definitely can be as effective. It can be as effective. Because I know when we were playing the Patriots, and they were trying to run them quick passes, and we knew, oh, they're not going deep. Sit on all these slants and light their ass up. And Stu was sitting on every slant from the post. You can watch the film. He take one step back. Mm, D-line. He must have hit Chandler so hard. Hit Grunk another time. Like, 
And Stu, a big boy, they didn't want to throw that. They threw that route a couple times early. You didn't see it the rest of the game. You know why? Because he went inside that huddle and said, don't throw that route to me no more. 26 is coming downhill. <laughs> Do not throw me that ball. I'm telling you, you got to have receivers because the quarterback, they ain't, they don't worry, but they're not really worried about their receivers. Like, the receiver, like, why'd you hit the guy like that? Why did your quarterback throw you that ball when he seen me standing right here? Yeah. You need to go take that up with him. Don't come to me. I'm only doing my job. He's doing you a disservice. He doesn't love you. He does not <laughs> love you. How could you guys do against, uh, you know, the best offenses today? Like, say Mahomes and the juggernaut Chiefs are themselves. How, how's the no-fly zone faring against these guys? Anybody. Anybody. Mahomes and them. If Mahomes would have been a year earlier, it would strap him too. Anybody. Uh, Tannehill. Uh, and uh, Henry, I yeah. think we we played them the next year. I think they beat us though, but we wasn't the same defense. We had lost that. That was the next year after the Super Bowl. But now I got a lot of respect for these offenses and what they're doing, man. Um, like you said, Mahomes, they're getting back on track. The Titans, their run game. I love the physicality of their offense, man. I, I just. I just love the old school football, like getting back to running the ball and playing hard-nosed defense, hard-nosed offense. And I love that side of football. So all the teams like the Browns that, that play that type of way on offense. And it lets, it, it lets you see the, the, the flaws in the defenses now because at one point, <clears throat> teams were like getting away from that at the end of the 2000s because if you remember all the safeties in the league and linebackers were big so your safe your linebackers weren't no smaller than 230 on the inside your safeties might be 220 230 no smaller than 200 no smaller than 200 you look at 2016 17 even 15 now you're getting like 230 pound backers 220 pound backers 205 safeties now that's average now it's like safety's 195 you don't even know who plays corner and safety anymore out there you look at the field it's like okay who's the corners and who's the safeties you don't know they're the same size and that's why you get the chubs and the, yep. the henry's and the backs toting because they can't tackle on the second level they too little so watch the game go back the next five years everybody gonna have a big back until the defenses change and get some big safeties and linebackers. You're going to have the guy from the Colts, Jonathan uh, Toten, running through tackles. They say he ain't got no moves. What do he need moves for when he getting tackled by 190-pound safeties? He's just running through arm tackles. Yeah. Ain't nobody trying to put no shoulder on him. But if you had some 220-pound, 210, 15-pound safeties, they'd be coming down filling that C gap. But you don't have that no more. It is great, man. I mean, I love it that it kind of went back to its roots in a sense. And it's, that's, what's great about the NFL. Like we think it's all going this backyard direction, this flag football, improvisational Mahomes, Allen, Kyler Murray. And then what does Belichick do? He goes, spends all this money on ass kickers. And they're the number one seed right now in the AFC. You know what? The NFL always catches up to you. So Columbus Mahomes and it was doing, it was cool. I'm like, bro, this shit's going to run out. So they better get their chips now. Because when teams figure out what you're doing, they're going to stop it. And what happened two years later? They're, they're saying they back. I don't think they back. 
I mean, they, they've been playing pretty decent, but I don't – they're not what they were. Like, they haven't played – I mean, Dallas defense isn't good. Who else did they beat? The Broncos? Yeah, the Broncos – Broncos, it's mental with them Smacked right them now. around. They just can't get past the Chiefs because the last five years, the Chiefs been yeah. kicking in. So, that's something mental with them, I feel. Um, the Broncos could use a little more offense too, right? I mean, it's – I don't know. Man, the Broncos – the Broncos ain't been the same since we left. I tell you that. They ain't been the same since 16. That's what happens when you lose all your dogs. They trying to get some dogs back, though. But you can't lose all your dogs. Hey, Bill Belichick went and got them dogs real quick. Yeah. He went and got some dogs. Say, let me bring Van Noy back. You know, let me get uh, Judon. Get my safeties right. Give me some dogs. You got to have them. So are you good with retirement? Does any part of you kind of want to get back into it? Because, hey, it's kind of going back to the only thing that makes me want to get past it is watching bad football. It's like that Brady quote. And I was going to repost it. Brady said, man, it would suck to be at home knowing that you're better than half these or all these dudes playing. And that's what I do every day when I watch football. But, you know, they let some guys play forever. They let some guys, you know, they don't want you to let you play forever. So it's not that guys can't play. No, they can play. They're better than the guys they're going to bring in, for sure. But the older you get, the bigger your ticket goes, the more informed you are, the smarter player you are, the more business savvy you are with what's going on within the organization, within yourself. And um, they want to get you up out of there. They want to bring the younger guys in that are cheaper. Crash dummies, some of them. That's what they call them, crash dummies. It is what it is, man. But I'm I'm happy, man. I'm happy. Uh, I can actually watch and enjoy football now. The first couple of years, I was very, very upset. I was very upset by the situation. Um, With how it went down, what, Tampa, Arizona? Yeah, I mean, I got a chance. Uh, I was already out of football for two years when Arizona called. That's right, yeah. I was sitting on the couch for two years. I had just a year before that, I had just signed $5 million with Tampa. And um, was out of football for two years. Nobody, I couldn't get a workout. I couldn't get a visit to a building. It was just abrupt. Don't talk to TJ Ward. Don't nobody answer his calls. Don't bring him in. Don't give him a workout. You were blackballed. You think? Out of nowhere, I can't even get a workout? Why? That's a good question. Something in Tampa happened. Something in Tampa happened within that coaching staff, or I think it was mainly the coaching staff. Um, but yes, I'm happy, man. They just put out the word that you don't want TJ Ward on your team for whatever reason. Um, I guess. I mean, I got got some word from one of my teammates that one of the coaches had came up to him talking about that I was a cancer and this and that. And I was like, okay, this is coming from the guy who has done what in the NFL? Has won what? Okay, thank you. All right, thank you. What have you won? Okay, nothing. You ain't even won your division talking to me. <laughs> God, I mean, and so you much You're an changed. assistant coordinator, Crozier. <laughs> you see any given Sunday? You are off this. <laughs> That's right. Crozier. Get out of my face. Nah, but it's just, 
It's dirt you know, cutter, man. Right? Dirt it's cutter, bad Mike when Smith. people don't get where you're coming from and they try to spread these things about you. He's like, we are not the same. You don't get, you don't, you're not, we're not here. So just keep your mouth shut. That's the best thing to do. What were those two years like? Did you say it was your kind of I was training for two whole years, like year round almost. Just trying to get a call, trying to get in the building. Like dudes were hurt. I couldn't get a call. Cats were dropping like flies, like during that season, the first year. I'm like, bro, I just came off a Pro Bowl. No one wants me to come work out. Not one of these 32 teams. Talk about frustrated, bro. Yeah, so that went by for another year. And actually, the second year, early in the year, I got a, a workout with Jacksonville. And um, they safeties were terrible at the time. And then a couple of them got hurt. I worked out. They let me go. I'm like, really? <laughs> For real? Oh, all right. So, man, it's just how, how the game goes sometimes, man. It's how it goes. Just for speaking up on what you didn't like about the scheme, you know? Pretty much. Like that. I mean, it was – it was a lot going on that season, man. Yeah. For me, that year in Tampa was like cool, but then it wasn't, it was good, and then it wasn't. It was just a lot of ups and downs that season. Yeah. And now I'm not even talking about just with the winning and losing. I'm talking about um, for me emotionally trying to handle abruptly leaving Denver after I just bought a house. <laughs> Just bought a home, built it from ground up, got released right before the season in my contract year, thinking I'm going to play in Denver and have like my best year ever. I pull my hamstring right before preseason starts. So I don't play in no preseason games. Then they release me right before the regular season game. And this is how they came at me like, yo, uh, are you healthy? You ready to play? I'm like, yeah, I'll be ready for week one. I mean, I don't think I should play in this last preseason game being a vet being an all pro player, like this is usually the game for the rookies and guys trying to make the team, but I don't want to go out there and, and hurt to where I'm not ready for week one. Okay, cool. Go to get treatment the next day, get cut. Wow. How does that go down? Like how do they, how do they literally cut you in that moment after everything you've kind of done? Shit, it don't matter. It don't matter. It's only uh, one street, one-way street of loyalty, and that's the players to the organization, or that's what they want you to have. But there's no, there's only one way. It's not a two-way street. Say loyalty, one direction, and it's a dead end. <laughs> don't realize the, the the life implications. Oh, you of froze all this. Oh. I got you now. Yeah. Um, the life implications of of just playing in the NFL, you know, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, mentally, how did you kind of endure during that period? Like where you're buying a house, you think this is going to be it. You get let go. You you don't know what the hell is going to happen. Man, honestly, it just, it just helped me be prepared for anything. Like you never know. You never know. So don't ever get to a situation where you think you're going to be here and you're good. Cause you never know. And, and, and it actually helped me in the long run. 
Um, it taught me a lot. So I guess it some, some takes something drastic to learn a lesson, a, a good lesson. Yeah. Past the depression and anxiety, that kind of stuff, or is that something that you deal with uh, day, day to day? Um, more anxiety. Um, no, not too much depression. But uh, just because I'm content, I'm comfortable how, where I'm at. Like during that two years, I was still playing, still trying to play. I knew I could be playing. And But after I went to Arizona, <clears throat> during the season, like mid-season, I think I was there three or four weeks um, because they had some injuries. And it was a great building, man. Arizona Cardinals have a great building. There's no surprise that they're winning, man. Really? I loved it there. Like the coaching staff is amazing. Uh, it's got a, a good young group of players. Um, only thing I would say um, is that they're younger. They need to like little learn how to prepare a little bit better in practicing things. I think that's maybe what they've changed this year. Why they're a little bit over that hump. They they didn't have such a. They're having a way better second half, even with Kyler going down. I think it was something in their preparation week to week on the field that I noticed um, while practicing with them. It's like, uh, we could practice a little harder. Really? Um, we could practice a little harder. But other than that, you know, it's player friendly. They take care of the players. They're not trying to have you out there killing yourself and like some coaches. And um, I think that's a new wave of, of, of preparation and get ready for the week is give you guys a break. Give them a break, man. This ain't uh, Bear Bryant football. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Your Bear, your your machine works at its optimum most when it's well rested. So, Cliff Kingsbury seems to get all that. You know, he's I've only heard great things about him in terms of the, like the hours he's pouring into the job too. Yeah, uh, he's learning from. I mean, his his staff is amazing. He got vets. Yeah, he got yeah. veteran head coaches on his staff. So he's take, as much as he's uh, great job he's doing. I'm by not by far giving him all the credit for that. Not saying that he's not a good coach, but you, you don't just come into the NFL and know how to maneuver around a locker room. You don't just come in and know how a day goes, know how a season is going. It's 16 games. Like there's so much that goes into coming to a first year head coach, not coordinator, yeah. you know, not position coach, but head coach. You have to soak up game for you. Have to have X head coaches on your assistant staff yeah. and it's only going to make him better and he seems to be heeding the advice and mixing it in with his own you know creativity or whatnot and you know they're playing well and, and you were in the same room as Buda Baker I mean he's kind of breaking out as a legit star this year too guy what, what kind of game does, does he have where, where could he take this himself um now, I was mad I didn't get on get on the field with Buddha. With Buddha. I'm like, man, y'all should have kept me one week and let me and Buddha yeah. get out there and run Ooh. just one time. Just let us get out there one week. Uh, it never happened, but, you know, he's my type of player. You know, he plays with his hair on fire. He's nonstop. Uh, he can play multiple positions. Uh, he's aggressive. He's an old school dude, man. You could tell he learned football playing with older guys, like, He's very young, but he played football growing up with older guys. Yeah. Man, this was incredible, TJ. I can't thank you enough. 
kind of going down a memory lane like this, but um, and anything else you want to get into? I mean, what things you're doing today, uh, where people can find you, hear you, uh, anything at um, all? Man, you can follow me on my Instagram at bosswar43. Um, also, my sports agency, I just got off the ground. So that's my main focus going into this recruiting class. It's uh, playeraboveSportsGroup.com or that our Instagram is PASG at PASG. Um, WarCorp.com is my brand. WarCorp.com and I have hoodies and golf hats and polos, some merchandise. And that's uh, half of that proceed is going to my nonprofit, which is the War Boy Project that me and my brother have out in the Bay Area and uh, other areas of SoCal. Um, so now that the COVID season is kind of dying down, we're getting everything back up and running. Um, and we full head of steam. So love it. Look love into it. it. And on, and on Twitter, you don't hold back, which is. Oh, no, Twitter. Yeah. Right? Boss World 43 <laughs> yeah. on Twitter as well. At Boss World 43. And it's not going to be insipid and cliche. You're going to you're going to tell the world. Yeah, I like pop in and out. But when I do pop in, it's usually something kind of heavy or I get some flack for whatever. So you might hate it. You might love it. I love it. Beautiful. Thank you so much, TJ. This was uh -huh. fantastic. And uh, welcome. Welcome back anytime, man. Let's do it again. I appreciate it. Awesome.